Awesome. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to dig into the word this morning together. Father, we thank you for this beautiful, glorious Easter weekend. Thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate today with joy, with anticipation, with hope for the future, your life and your resurrected power in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would take us deeper into your word. Lord, that you would speak to each one of us in a personal and in a unique way. You know what every heart needs to hear this morning. You know what you dream about every person in this room. Because your word says you know the plans and the purposes that you've got for us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. So Lord, I ask that you speak through me today, Lord. That you speak to every person in this room. And that we would experience your resurrection power like never before. And almost say, Amen, Amen. Well, great. So, I personally love Easter weekend, not because of Easter eggs. I am quite a fan of chocolate. But Easter weekend is actually one of the most important things that we, if not the most important, that we celebrate as Christians. Christmas is great. It's great to know when the Lord was born. It's significant. But what is the most significant thing of our faith? What happened on that cross and what happened three days thereafter? Everything in our faith as believers hangs, if you will, on the nail of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's actually so significant. And, you know, Johanna shared a word on Good Friday. Those who weren't there, please join us next year. We want to do it bigger and we want to go crazier, but it was really so special and so sacred. And, yeah, I just really felt the Lord's presence so strongly when we were there. And we just gathered. Johanna shared a short word. And he said something profound. I think I put it on social media as well. He said this, Good Friday was a dark night, but it gave way to a glorious morning. And then he said this, Good Friday is every day. And I thought that was so profound. Good Friday is every day. What does that mean? It means whenever we are in a dark season, whenever a day ends, there is still another morning. The word says, His mercies are new every single morning. There is always another morning. And that speaks to the resurrection power of Jesus. And that's what we want to focus on today. And I want to read you this scripture just to start off to give us a little bit of foundation. But Paul, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you want to go and read a chapter about the resurrection power, what is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? What is the significance of what happened when he left that tomb? What is significant about that? That whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, is a good one to write down and I've got some of those notes in version for you as well. But have a look at this. Now, the context of this, the Apostle Paul is talking to some of the Pharisees and some of the people in the, in the Corinthian church who are not believing the resurrection. They're saying, we don't think that happened. And so Paul says this to them. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. This is how he starts off. 
And then your faith is also useless. This is what he says. And then in verse 18 it says, or what is he following in? 17, sorry. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. And in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. So what is Paul actually saying? He's talking to them and just before that he gives them the evidence of Christ's resurrection. So he lists everyone to whom Jesus appeared after he was raised from the dead. Because this is something that a lot of people at that time did not believe. And Paul is saying, actually, here are the facts. It's actually a, a historical fact. Even atheists, when they go in the history books and they go and look at the historical facts, the eyewitness accounts, you know, when you, when you are in trial, on a trial and, you know, the detectives go through the evidence, there is real physical evidence of Christ's resurrection. It's not just something that's in the Bible that we believe because it's nice. It's a fact. It's a fact. And Paul is saying, based on that fact of actual events, this is what the gospel is based on. This is what the gospel of Christ is based on. Our entire faith hangs on this. So he's saying, if Christ did, was not raised from the dead... All of this is useless. Then we have to run around through the entire world to repent of what we are preaching. But if Christ was raised, then that means that we are all forgiven of our sins. We all have the hope of eternal life. And we will all be resurrected with Christ when he comes again. Did you know that you are going to get a heavenly body? You are going to get, you and I are going to receive heavenly bodies, spiritual bodies. Hier is die vleeskas, okay, wat ons so in die gym rondswaai. It will become even better, Jesus said. I believe that is powerful. So Paul is having a go at the Greeks who mocked the idea of the resurrection. They believe that the physical body was actually a blockage to the mortality of the soul. And so Paul had to correct that thinking. He had to give them the facts of the gospel, the eyewitness accounts, to explain to them that we actually have a hope beyond this life. And I love the Apostle Paul because the scripture that I want to focus on this morning is Philippians 3 verse 10. And in this scripture, Paul said something profound, and I actually had a different direction that I wanted to go with this word this morning. And when I read this, I felt the Holy Spirit just arrest me. Like I stopped in my tracks and I thought, wow, Yere, that is profound. And I want to read to you Philippians 3, verse 7 to 10. Okay, now remember, where was Paul when he wrote the book of Philippians? He was actually in jail. So... This is something that he said and that he wrote when he already had seen Jesus Christ. He had known Jesus for quite some time, serving him, preaching the gospel, planting churches, raising up leaders. And now he's actually imprisoned because he was preaching the good news of the resurrected Christ. But listen to what he says. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. What he is talking about when you read the verses before 
We always love to read scripture in context. Before he was listing all the things that he used to do in order to gain eternal life, in order to gain favor from the Lord, in order to gain his salvation. He was talking about how he was educated as a Jew. He knew all the scriptures. Um, you know, he was very, very educated. He was a Pharisee, okay? Not only was he killing Christians, you know, before he met Jesus, before Jesus arrested him on the road in Damascus, but he was also someone that did a lot of good works to try and earn his salvation. So he lists all of these achievements in his life, and he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now, there where he is in prison, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I can gain, so that I can gain, what is he for Christ, verse 9, and become one with him. I no longer counted on my own righteousness through obeying the law. That's what he was doing. He was trying to earn his own righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And here's the kicker. I want to know Christ and experience, everyone say experience, the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing even in his death. The Amplified read this. You can put up the Amplified on there, but I've got a different version. In my Amplified, it says, and this, verse 10 only, so that I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and that in the same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. And that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by continually being conformed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did, so that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. What is Paul saying? He is saying that there is two things that he actually aspires to. He's done all these great things. He's educated beyond. He's got the title. He's got the position. But now he counts it all as garbage. It's worthless. Okay? We can put in there whatever we do in this world. Okay? Whatever we keep ourselves busy with. Not saying don't work, don't have anything other than. But Paul was saying, this was a hard attitude that he had. He was saying, all of that I count as worthless. And the only thing that he wants in life is, number one, to know Jesus Christ and to know the power of his resurrection in his life, to experience the resurrection power. And church, this morning, I want to ask us, what is happening in you and me when we sit down and we take time to think about Easter, to think about what Jesus had accomplished on the cross to think about the resurrection. 
What is our heart's desire? What burns on the inside of us? And do we live in the resurrection power that Jesus died for us to have? That is the question I'm asking myself as I was standing in front of that cross on Friday morning. And Johannes said, imagine Jesus looking right at you, telling you, it is finished for you, for you, for you. And he calls your name. I say, Carl, it is finished. When Johannes told me he was going to do it, I just started crying. I don't know why. I thought, oh, that is so hectic. What is in our hearts? I love Paul's passion. He said everything he thought that was necessary for salvation, for right standing, he thought it was in the flesh. In his circumcision, in his good works, in his education as a Jewish scholar, in his position as a Pharisee. But now it is useless in comparison to knowing Jesus personally. And so this morning, briefly in our time together, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about, number one, a desire to know Jesus Christ personally. A desire to know Jesus Christ experientially. Not through knowledge, through experience. For you. Not what Johannes has experienced. Not what Marissa has experienced. Not what Carl has experienced. What did ek ervoor van Jesus? Is Jesus just a character in the Bible for me, or is he literally my best friend? Is he literally my king in everyday life? A desire to know Jesus Christ for who he is, number one. And number two, a desire to know the resurrection power. That is all I want to focus on this morning. And my prayer, my prayer was this last night. I said, Lord, come and ignite a burning desire inside of us for more, for more of you, for more experience with you, for more of your resurrection power in my life. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in dead religion. I think I've got better things to do in life. I'm not interested in singing songs that I'm not seeing happening in my life. What is the point of that? I'm not interested in coming to a gathering and not seeing what we are preaching, not seeing what we are seeing, singing, not seeing in my life Jesus. Otherwise, what are we busy with? <laughs> Does anyone else feel like that or is it just me? And I've just decided, I've actually just made a decision again afresh. I made this decision in 2008 and I made it afresh on Good Friday, Friday morning when I stood there I want to experience everything that he died for me to have. I just decided it. It's just a decision that you have to make. It's just a decision. I'm just not interested in anything less. Otherwise, what is the point? I love having a purpose. My biggest thing before I met the Lord was I didn't understand why I am here. That question bothered me. It boggled me. I remember as a child having sleepless nights. I remember I was in primary school. I remember lying in bed and I couldn't sleep. And I didn't actually know even Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, we grew up in a Christian traditional, you know, 
environment that gets us to gaan. But I always remember having that question, that deep desire to know what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why are we here? What, what is the point of it all? Did anyone else ever have that question? Do you maybe still have that question this morning? It's okay to have that question. It is good. God put eternity in the side of us. He planted a seed of eternity in all of our hearts. So really, every person will have that question. Some of us are just willing to find the answer and some not. Okay, so number one, a desire to know Christ for who he is and not only what he does. I remember the Lord really journeying with me because when I started to get to know the Lord and I started to learn about what my salvation actually means, I started to learn that I have a purpose, that I was actually born for a reason. There's actually a kingdom assignment on my life. There is actually something that I'm called to do on this earth. That is the reason why I have talents. That is the reason why I have, although I didn't think I had talents, you know, that's the reason why I have the personality I have, all of those things. But I remember actually at one point being so passionate about what God can do for me. Striving so much for the gifts of the Spirit and, you know, the other gifts and, and the work of the ministry and different things. And I remember the Holy Spirit once asked in my heart, do I want to know the Lord for what He can do for me? Or do I want to know the Lord for who He is? Because there is a huge difference. And I don't actually believe it is wrong. The Bible says pursue the gifts. You know, go for it. We cannot accomplish our assignment without everything that God does for us. But there is something deeper that I think the Apostle Paul is talking about. Paul already knew Christ at this point. Okay, this, this was not, you know, this was years after his encounter with the Lord on the Damascus Road. And yet he still says, he's seen all these miracles. Miracles, he's raised people from the dead, okay? Now he says, my determined purpose is that I might know him. Did he not already know him? And this just challenged my heart again. I was like, Lord, there is so much more to know about who he is. And that is one of our core words when Johannes um, shared in the beginning of this year, there are four things that we really feel the Lord wants us to focus on this year. And the first one was this, to grow in intimacy and in the knowledge of who Jesus is. Because everything that we do stems from that place of knowing who he is. And that word to know in the Greek actually means to get to know, to perceive, to get knowledge of, to understand and to know through experience. And I think sometimes the challenge that many of us are in is that we know about Jesus. We know the scriptures about him. We know the prophecies about him. We even know what he did for us on the cross. But in our day-to-day life, do we know him through experience? What is our testimony with Jesus? What is your erfaring with Jesus? And if we haven't had an experience with Jesus yet, then that is something that I want to pray for you today. That you have an encounter 
with the living Christ. And that from that encounter, you will have encounter upon encounter upon encounter. Just the way that we are in a relationship. You know, when you're in a relationship with someone, you're not just in a relationship for what they can do for you. That's what we call use and abuse, maybe even manipulate. But we're actually in a relationship with someone to know them. So when I'm in relationship with someone, when I got to know Johannes, I had to learn what makes him tick. Okay, what does he like? I quickly learned. Johannes loves anything army, shooting, guns. His idea of a vacation is to go to Israel and ski targets and sukkahuter. My idea of holiday is a tropical island, okay, palm trees, turquoise waters. But I had to learn who he is as a person. I, get to, I got to know him. What are his likes? What are his dislikes? We first build a good friendship before we started building a marriage. And sometimes I think in our relationship, I found myself there, in our relationship with Jesus, we pursue all these other things that he can give us, but we don't pursue him. Even in ministry, we can be in danger of pursuing all the things of God. We're so busy with the things of God, but we're not busy with the God of the things. And I think that's the heart that Paul was talking about. How do you feel about Jesus this morning? Is he someone that we just run to with a 911 call when something in our life goes wrong? Or do we sometimes just talk to him because we want to know what's on his heart? Yeah, what will you do vandaag? Lord, what do, you, what do you want to say to me today? What do you like, Lord? What's on your heart, Jesus? That's what I believe he's calling us to. There's a scripture in Luke 24, verse 32. Just after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to many people. And many people didn't believe him and they didn't actually realize. And the Bible says that some of them didn't even know that it was him. They didn't recognize him. And there were two disciples on the road walking and Jesus came and started walking with them. And they didn't realize until the Lord opened their eyes and opened their minds later they didn't realize that it was Jesus walking beside them. And afterwards, when they realized it was him, they thought back to the road and they said to each other in verse 32, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And church, I want to ask us this morning, is there a burning desire on the inside of us when we encounter him? When we want to get to know him. So is, is there a drive on the inside that is searching for him? Because if there is not, I pray that that flame will be alert this morning. Because if there is not a burning desire on the inside of us to get to know Jesus, then all of these things we do will become religion. And Jesus didn't die for us to have doya religion. He died so we can have life and a vibrant relationship. Amen? And I remember for me, that night I gave my heart to the Lord. There was a burning desire on the inside of me. It's hit any brand There's no other way I can describe it. I was on fire from that day. Yes, I've been through different seasons. There are seasons that are harder. But I don't feel like my fire has ever gone out. And that's not because I'm cute. It's because... 
I'm just hungry for him. Because I don't see any other purpose. I don't see any other reason of why we are alive. And so I pray this morning that the Lord would lit a fire in our hearts so that our hearts would burn inside of us. Because here's the reality. In Matthew 7, Jesus explains that at the end of the times, when he comes back, there will be people that will say to him, but Lord, I want to enter the kingdom of God because, you know, I prayed for the sick and they got healed and we did miracles in your name. We casted our demons in your name. And Jesus says, but I never knew you. That's a scary scripture for me. I don't want to be so busy and caught up in ministry and doing things for the Lord that I didn't know him. He wants us to know him. Number two, a desire to know the resurrection power in our lives. Paul wasn't really only just interested in the facts of the resurrection. He wanted to experience the resurrection. He wanted to see it activated in his life because that scripture in Philippians 3.10 in the Amp says, the power of his resurrection which overflows and is active in the life of a believer. You know, I'm astounded when people say and think that miracles are not for today, that signs and wonders are not for today. That I cannot lay my hands on someone and pray for them, even though it's all over the Bible. Wat der Bible leest, mense. Okay. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, to activate us into a supernatural place. And I don't know sometimes, what is it that holds us back from walking in that, from pursuing that? Honestly, church, what else can we be busy with? I really felt like the Lord wanted to challenge our priorities again this morning. What is priority in our life? For me, number one is to know Jesus. Do I miss it sometimes? Absolutely. But the desire is there. And number two, to pursue the things of heaven. To pursue heaven coming to earth. The kingdom. This is our vision. Okay, I think anyone that's been with us for longer than, I don't know, two weeks will know. We are not here to play church, okay? We are here to pursue the kingdom of God. And then once we pursue it, we want to establish it on the earth. That's why we do things like outreaches. That's why we are trusting the Lord to raise up an army within this church that can go out and bring the light into the dark areas of this city. Where the church of Jesus Christ is, we are supposed to be walking in the resurrection power. Otherwise, what was the point? Of everything that Jesus accomplished. What would have been the point? Paul said, our faith will then be useless. Notice that Paul didn't ask Jesus for his power in Philippians 3.10. He didn't ask for power. He asked to experience the power that he already had within him. The power that was already on the inside of him. And I want to read you this scripture, Romans 8, verse 11. Romans 8 is also a very powerful chapter if you want to read that. And it says, And if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who is you? You and I, believers. 
He who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies. He replies, guys, through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, when I'm a believer in Christ and I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, that same resurrection power is on the inside of me. And tonight, oh, today, I know I'm saying a lot of things that we know, but do we experience it? Do we pursue it to walk in it? Because that is our heart's desire for our church. Jesus' resurrection was also a promise for our resurrection. So yes, there is a promise of our resurrection when Jesus comes back at the end of the age, when it's the end of the world. We will be resurrected with him. We will have new glorious heavenly bodies that will have unlimited capabilities, just like Jesus when he was resurrected. Remember, if you go and read the accounts, when Jesus was resurrected, he still had the holes in his hands, but he had a heavenly body. He could walk through the wall and freak out the disciples who were sitting in a room filled with fear because they thought that the Jews would kill them also because they were noticed. Peter was noticed. They knew that they were disciples of Jesus Christ. So they're sitting in a room fearing, and here Jesus comes, not adding to the, to the fear of walking through a wall, a glorious body. But besides that, it's not just that. It is also the resurrection power that we still have in our life today that Paul is talking about. And that word power in the Greek is actually dunamis. It means power, might, strength, miracle, ability to overcome resistance. Through the death of Jesus Christ, we all have the power to be resurrected. And even as we sang this morning that song, we need to be careful what we sing. <laughs> Dead man come out of that grave. Come out of that grave when we sing. Okay, we have that same power to speak to the dead things in our lives, to speak to a dead relationship, to speak to a dead thing in our health, a dead thing in our finance. Where Jesus is, there has to be life. There has to be resurrection. That is the good news. That is the gospel that we preach. Otherwise, Paul said, it will be useless. And this morning, I felt like the Lord wanted to remind some of us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. The question is just, will we believe it? That he said to Martha, do you believe this, Martha? It is just accepted by faith. That is also the good news. We have to believe it. And how do we get faith to believe? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Read the word until it becomes rhema and life to you. But that is what Jesus is asking us to do. Ephesians 1 verse 19, I want to read that to you briefly. Paul says this, And I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he, this is Jesus, is far above any ruler, far above any authority, far above any power, 
far above any leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And he has made him the head over all things for the benefit of who? Who is the church? It is us. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Okay, we have to think about this. We have to think about these things. We have to ask Jesus, what does this mean? If the church is his body, and you and I all play a part in the body, I guess I'm somewhere near the mouth. Okay, some of us are the feet. We're called to go. You can also go to checkers and write the light. Some of us are the hands. Some of us need to do practical things. Some of us are the kidneys. Huge purification function, but not always seen. Not always applauded. Not always noticed. But you are noticed by him. So we all have a part to play. But what happens when some of the parts do not function? We, I'm going to share this. I just thought of that now. My mom recently had an accident. She was trying to open up one of those glass um, vases. Okay. That thing broke. It slid open her thumb. And so it was actually a very, very deep wound. And for weeks, she couldn't do basically anything, because have you noticed how important your thumb is? You don't notice how little you can do without your thumb until you cannot use your thumb. And to me, this is such a good reminder of every part of the body, and I actually wasn't going to even talk about the body, so I don't know, the Holy Spirit's leading me in a different direction, but I've just decided I'm going to go. So as you need like a foggy, it's okay. And the body of Christ needs every part to function. But every part can only function to its function through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the resurrection. It's all through the body. But if I'm the one part and I don't believe that I'm actually number one part of the body, and I don't believe I can move, and I don't know what my role is, then it affects the entire body. And I believe this is where we are either going to see the third great awakening when we as Christians wake up into our part and our purpose and in our resurrection power available to us, or we are not going to see it. But all of us have been called. In that last song, I know it was a little bit soft. We'll work on the, on the sound. But it said there that I am chosen. I am called. The Lord has spoken. God has spoken to all of us. The question is just, when are we going to actually obey and step into it? And so Paul is saying that we might know as the body the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Five things that the resurrection power enables us, gives us ability for. It's in your notes in your version. Number one, it allows us to be forgiven of our sins. Okay, that's what happened on Good Friday. That's what happened on the cross. We have received the gift of righteousness. 
In other words, we don't have to walk around in guilt and condemnation anymore. This is a big, 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 big deal. Because if we don't have that foundation of our righteousness, those people, who's doing liberating truths with us at the moment? We dig into that very, very deeply because if that foundation is not there, it's going to be very hard for us to walk into the purpose. We need to understand our righteousness. Number two, his resurrection power gave us the ability to conquer sin. You know, just as Paul said that I want to share in the suffering of my master of Jesus Christ. He's not necessarily talking about physical death. But he's also talking about daily dying to self. Daily dying to my fleshly desires. Daily dying and crucifying my flesh on the cross so that I can give life to the spirit that wants to walk through me, that wants to work through me. Romans 8 is a great chapter. We don't have time to go into it this morning. But Paul says sometimes we struggle with sin because we don't understand the resurrection power that is already available to us. And it's time God's calling us out of old habits. God is calling us out of addictions. God is calling us out of those things that are tying us and holding us back. Because the resurrection power is there. Do we want to be free or do we want to be in bondage? It's our choice. That's what he's saying. Number three, the resurrection power gives us the ability to be kingdom agents on this earth. Johannes spoke about it last week. You can go and listen about the kingdom of God that is at hand. Do I know, do you know your identity as a child of God? Do we know who we are? Because his resurrection power established that for us. We are children of the most high God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are his ambassadors on the earth. And we have all received the message of reconciliation. That means it's not just Johannes and I or the team here in ministry. We are all called to the ministry of reconciliation. Some of us are called in full-time ministry as in the church. Some of us are called in the outskirts of the world. Some of us are called in schools. Some of us are called in the business world. Some of us are called to government. Please, Jesus, raise up leaders that can bring the kingdom of God in our governments. Amen. Number four, the resurrection allowed us to be changed into Christ's image. Colossians 3 says, you have died and your life is hidden in the risen Christ. Okay, this is the daily journey that we walk of sanctification with the Holy Spirit. Because God wants to change us into Christ's image. And this is the process where we die to self every day. And then once we die, once we lay down our fleshly desires, we lay down the things of this world and we pursue the kingdom, that's when we experience resurrection power. That's when we experience the life of the Spirit. Does it make sense this morning? I'm probably not saying anything new. Number five, Jesus' resurrection power allows us to overcome the enemy and to establish God's kingdom over that. Sometimes as Christians, I think we're in a place where we think too highly of our problems. We're much more concerned of the mountain in front of us, then we are concerned with the God who moves the mountain. 
Church, through the resurrection power, you and I have received authority to rule and reign on the earth. And if there's anything that drives me besides knowing Jesus, what drives me is to see Christians walk in the full power of God that they were created to do. That is my life's pursuit. I've decided, Lord, there's that. First on. I want to see that. And I will pray until I see that. Okay, we have received authority. Jesus said, all might, all power, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me and he's given it to us. But half of us are walking around not knowing what authority you have. So he find it a royal time. We just need to get back to the basics. That is why we do liberating truths. That is why we preach these things. You'll hear it week in and week out because that is our purpose. God has called us to raise up an army of sons and daughters who will move with kingdom purpose, who will move in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to end up for us with communion. And before we receive communion together, I just want to pray for some people this morning. You know, we're speaking about the resurrection life of Jesus Christ this morning. And you can just close your eyes this morning as I just lead some people in prayer. And Jesus died on that cross for you and for me. And Jesus died for us on that cross. But he died for every single person. The heart of the king is for every human being to come back in a reconciled relationship with Jesus Christ. And before we receive communion and before I pray for us to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, I want to ask this morning, is there anyone in this room that has never ever made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior? Maybe you've heard of Jesus. Maybe you grew up in a church environment. But you've never made the decision to make him Lord of your own life. You've never made the decision to actually surrender your life to him. Because just as Jesus died, all of us will die. And we will all be resurrected with him but only if we have made a decision to follow Him and make Him Lord. And I want to ask this morning, I'm not going to call you out, I'm just going to ask you to gently raise your hand. If there's anyone here this morning and you've never actually made that decision, I want you to just raise your hand. All it is is, is a prayer that you pray and you repent of your old life and you accept the new life that Jesus has for you. Is there anyone here this morning and you are not sure of your eternal salvation? If you die tonight, do you know where you are going? Sometimes we just need to say it like it is. If you are not sure, I want you to just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you afterwards. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. awesome and so for this morning I want us to do communion a little differently as we receive and as we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and 
we are mindful and we remember His resurrection power. I want all of you, if you are in a family together, I think everyone here is, is family. If you are sitting alone, please find a family to join. And I want you as a family to come to the front and receive your communion. And as you collect communion and you go back to your seats, I'm going to ask you to serve one another with communion. What does that mean? That means if you're a husband, serve your wife with the bread. Serve your children. Just each other, whoever is here together. Give your bread to the person next to you and give your wine to the person next to you. Serve one another and then I want you to pray for each other. What are we going to pray this morning? We're going to pray the two things that Paul said. Number one, that we might know him experientially. Number two, that we might know his resurrection power. I want you to just pray that for the person next to you. Pray it over your children. Speak life over them and say, Lord, I pray that they might know you. I pray that they might know your resurrection power. And as you do that, I will close for us in prayer afterwards. But the team is going to put on a song for us. And it's a beautiful version of that Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah. But it's rewritten with the lyrics of Jesus. And so as they do that, you can come to the front, receive communion and pray in your seats. And I'll close for us at the end. A crown of thorns placed on his head He knew that he would soon be dead He said, did you forget me, Father, did you? They nailed him to a wooden cross Soon all the world would feel the loss of Christ the King who had used his sword to pierce the body of our Lord said truly this was Jesus Christ our Savior 
took from his head the thorny crown and wrapped him in a linen gown then laid him down to rest inside the tomb the holes in his hands his feet inside now when our Three days went by, again they came To move the stone, to bless the slain With oil and spice anointing, hallelujah But as they went to move the stone They saw that they were not alone For Jesus Christ has In Matthew 26, verse 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I want you to just close your eyes this morning. Kids can play outside. I want to pray a scripture over you this morning. You can just close your eyes as we go into this last moment of prayer. And Jesus, I thank you this morning for you. Lord, not even what you accomplished for us. We just thank you for you. We thank you for who you are, Lord. And just as everyone has prayed now for one another, Lord, I pray that we as a church community, Lord, would know you. Would know you, Jesus, for who you are. Lord, I pray that we will know the person that you are. Lord, that we will know your heart. That we will know what you love and what you don't love. And that that love relationships, that relationship that we have with you, Lord, that it will transform us. Because that in itself carries so much power. And Lord, secondly, I want to pray over this group of people, Lord. And I want to pray that we might know the resurrection power that is available to us. That we might know what you had died to accomplish for us. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, I keep asking that the Lord of, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, 
may give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rulers and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And that God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. For those in Afrikaans, I'm going to read verse 18 to you. In ek bid, dat die Heere vandag jylle geestes oe so verhelder, dat jylle kan weet wat er hoop sy redding inhou, en wat er hoop sy roeping inhou, en wat er reikdom daar is in die heerlijke erfenis wat hy vir die geloofiges bestem het. En hoe geweldig groot sy kracht is wat hy uitoefen en wat ons gloe. Dit is diezelfde krachtige werking van zijn mag wat hij uitgeoefend het, toe hij Christus uit die dood opgewek het en hem in die jimmel aan zijn rechterhand laat zitten. Hoog boe elke mag en gezag, elke kracht en heerskapai en wat al ook al van sprake mag wees. Nie net in hierdie bedeling nie, maar ook in die bedeling wat kom. Ja, aan hom het God alles onderwerp. Hom boe alles verhef en hom aangestel as die hoof van die kerk. En die kerk wat ons is, is sy lichaam. En die volheid van hom wat alles en allemaal vervul. So Father, I pray a blessing over every person in this room. Lord, I pray that as we go forth, Lord, I pray that you would ignite a new flame, a new burning desire on the inside of us to get to know you and to get to know your resurrection power. And Lord, I pray that all of us will walk in the fullness of that what you have for us. Lord, raise us up to be a church, Lord, that will build your kingdom, that will extend your kingdom in this city and in this nation and in this continent, wherever you might call us, Jesus. I pray that, Lord, in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen.